two men were working for the, the local council and they were working all day. One man would dig a hole and a few minutes later the other one would come along behind him and fill the hole in. And this went on all, all day long from 9 o'clock to 6 o'clock. One guy would dig a hole, dig furiously, and the other one would come behind him and, and fill it in. And there was a guy living across the road. He was watching this all day, trying to figure out what was going on. And at the end of the day, the guys were packing up, and he couldn't help himself. So the guy across the road went out, and he said, Guys, I, I appreciate how hard you've been working today. I've been watching you furiously dig all day. But I, I, I don't get it, because you dig a hole... And the guy behind you fills it up, and then you move and you dig another hole, and the guy behind fills it up. And, and the hole digger said that she had made it, it must look really funny. You see, there's normally three of us, but the guy who plants the trees is off work sick today. And I think that's a picture of our lives sometimes, what we do in life, what we do in the church. We keep doing what we've always done. We go through the motions, even if it isn't producing anything. Even if it isn't growing anything, even if it isn't bearing any fruit, even if it isn't being effective, even if it isn't reaching people, even if it isn't bringing transformation and change, we keep doing it. Why? Because that's what we've always done. We are a, a part of the Church of Ireland. We're a trustee church within the Church of Ireland. And, and I love the Church of Ireland. I'm so thankful for so many things in the Church of Ireland. But I want to say to you that there's hundreds of churches all over this island who are doing things this morning, not because they've thought them through, but because it's what they've always done. They're in the cutting edge of the 18th century. And because it, it was fresh in the 18th century, it was new. Rope choirs, all of that stuff was new. I don't know too many. I mean, how many of you get in your car and think, I'd really love to listen to a rope choir on my CD or, or MP3. But it's just what they've always done. And so the, the title of this morning's message is this. Moses is Dead. Nice, positive, uplifting title for Sunday morning, eh? Moses is dead. You won't get Joel Osteen preaching that one. But uh, let's read Joshua 1, verses 1 and 2. Famous verses uh, for many of us. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, not son of Amnon, that would be a whole other story. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you, that's Joshua and all these people, get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Most of you will know that Moses is one of the great heroes of the Bible. He, he spent the first 40 years of his life as the prince of Egypt, brought up in the royal palace. Then the next 40 years of his life he spent on the edge of the desert uh, as a shepherd rearing his father-in-law's sheep. And then God speaks to him one day from a burning bush and says, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt, back to the place you ran away from, and I want you to deliver my people. I want you to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. I have heard their cries. I've heard their, uh, I've seen their oppression. I want you to be the deliverer. And so Moses, for the last 40 years, has been leading God's people through the wilderness. He's been uh, the one who stands before God on their behalf. He sees God face to face. He, he pleads their case when they have uh, turned away from God, when they've followed idols, when they've been grumbling, when they've been complaining. It's hard to believe that God's people sometimes grumble and complain, but it does happen. And, 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 and when God is about to wipe them out, God's like, I have had enough. Moses goes before God and pleads their case. He stands in the gap. He brings down the Ten Commandments from the mountain, gives them a code to live by. He leads them. He's the only leader they have ever known. And now the unthinkable has happened. 
Moses has died. If you turn back, if you have a Bible, one chapter, the words will appear on the screen. Deuteronomy 34. It says this, Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. So Moses has died. We read that in the previous chapter. They have had the funeral, the, the trebex, the, the, the tea. They have mourned for 30 days. And then we get to Joshua chapter 1. God shows up to Joshua and what does he say? Moses is dead. We've just had this funeral. We've just had 30 days of mourning. Like God, why are you telling us something that we already know? When God says something that he already knows, it's not because he's forgotten about it. It's not because he slipped his mind. Slipped his mind. Moses is dead. My, my granny Cooney was a, a wonderful wee woman. She, she, she went to be with the Lord a number of years ago. She was a, a feisty wee woman, a godly wee woman. At 80 or 89 years of age, she made the front page of the Port of Down Times because she got up to the, go to the bathroom one morning at 3 or 4 o'clock and two robbers were in her house and she chased them out. And uh, she was a feisty wee woman. But uh, one of the things I, I remember, particularly in the last 15 years of her life, was she loved to tell you who had died. And, uh, and she would tell you, and part of it was, I think she was shown off. There was always people younger than her, she told you had died, you know. It was kind of like I've beaten them. But, uh, you know, and so everywhere she would go that day, she'd be the herald of doom and gloom. You know, everybody she would meet, she would say, you know, I think you know Tommy Jones is dead. He was four years younger than me. Uh, and, and, and God does something similar here. He shows up to Joshua, and he doesn't say, how's things, Josh, how's the wife and family? Hope things are going well. His first words to Joshua are this, Moses is dead. Now I'm surprised Joshua didn't say, yeah, Mrs. Pini was just telling me that. The question is this, why is God telling Joshua something that everybody already knows? Why is God stating the office? I think there's a number of reasons I've got to look at this morning. And the first one is this, he wants Joshua to face up to reality. Face up to reality. Where are you? After spending 40 years with Moses, this must have been a huge shock. The people must have been inconsolable, heartbroken, devastated. How would they survive? How could they go on? How could they enter into what God has for them? How could they even go on another day? Joshua, or Moses was the great leader. How could they live without him? And I'm sure there was a sense almost of denial. If you've ever been in shock, they say that, that one of the stages of grief is denial. That you actually just... Your, your brain can't compute that this has just happened. They wanted to bury their heads in the sand, pretend it wasn't real. That, that Moses, yeah, he's not here, but he's about to come back. He, maybe he'll be resurrected. And God says to them, Moses is dead. Face up to it. He's not coming back. He's gone. This is your new reality. This is where you are today. And I think God wants to do the same for some of us today as individuals here this morning and as a church, as a community church. I think he wants us to ask ourselves, where am I today? What is my current reality? Where do we stand in our relationship with him and in other areas of our life? You see, if I was driving to your house tonight and I were to get lost and I were to phone you my mobile phone, I were to say, look, I'm lost. The first thing you would say is this, well, well tell me roughly where you are today. 
are where you are right now. Where are, what, what's around you? What, 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 what can you see? What, what's your current position? And it's only if you know where I currently am that you can tell me where I need to move to. And it's only sometimes as we actually honestly and ruthlessly ask ourselves, where am I today? What's going on in my life? What's going on in my heart? What's going on in my relationships? What's going on in my job? What's going on in my family? It's only when we're honest about where we actually are that we face up to reality that we can actually say, okay, this is where I am. It might not be where I want to be. I might be a little bit lost right now, but at least I know where I am. And from there, I can move forward. The, the leadership team met this week, and I'm so thankful for the six people on that. And what we really did was we spent a big part of the evening this week saying, where are we? As Hope Community Church, where are we? What is our current reality? What's good? What's, what are we excited about? And what's the challenges? What's, what's, what's not so great? And what do we see coming up? And then we were able to plan into the future a little bit. And this morning, I, I want to ask you on the 22nd of October 2017, where are you? Where do you stand in your relationships? What about your marriage? What's your finances like? What's your daily time with God like in prayer and reading his word? What's your health like physically, emotionally, mentally? Spiritually? You see, we get really good at avoiding things. We get really good at putting our heads in the sand. We get really good at, at denial. Of, of never facing up to those things. Of drifting on day after day. And not paying attention to those places in our, our lives that need work. The Bible talks about we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We are masters of self-deception. We're masters at, at denying our current reality. Just because we don't, I mean, we live, for a lot of us, our favorite day of the week is Sunday. Someday I'll deal with it. Someday I'll get to it. And God said, actually, I want you to figure out where you are today. Because at the start of this new season, I believe God has said to some of us, Moses is dead. I want you to honestly and ruthlessly face up to where you are right now. Not to depress you, not to bring you down, but so you can know where you're starting from, so that you know where you're going to. A lot of us live in a fantasy world. The way we would like it to be, but it's actually not reality. Face up to how it really is. That's the first thing I think, first reason why I think God says Moses is dead. The second reason God tells Joshua Moses is dead is this. So he doesn't try to carry his past into his future. So he doesn't try to carry the past into the future. Look again at verses 1 and 2. The Lord said to Joshua Moses, assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I'm about to give them the Israelites. God has said Moses was great. There was nothing wrong with Moses. He was super. He was wonderful. The Bible describes him as the most humble man on the planet. But you can't bring him into your future. He's dead. He's buried. He's part of your past. Honor him as part of your past. Remember him, but leave him in your past. In Northern Ireland, we talk a lot about the past, don't we? We talk about a lot about our past. Historical inquiries, legacy, all of that stuff. We're people who, who were trying to move forward into a brighter, hopeful future, and yet there's things about our past that seem to keep dragging us back. Our history impacts us. And this morning, I think there's things in our lives that God has said, I want that to be part of your past. But we're trying to bring it into our future.
We're trying to hold on to things that God wants us to let go of. We're trying to resurrect things that God wants to die. We're trying to revive things that are barely alive in our life. Habits, mindsets, wrong ways of thinking, relationships, hurts, betrayals, grudges, bitterness, unforgiveness, regret, pain, previous church experiences, disappointments. You see, the things from your past that have got you here probably not get you to where God wants you to go. You can't go forward and take them with you. You've got to let them die, cut them off, separate yourself, let go. Because if you look at verse 2, there's two words that stand out for me as I study this. It says, now then. Moses is dead. Now then. It's as if God is saying this. It's only because Moses is dead that you can now enter the promised land. And in a very real sense that was true. Because if you look at Numbers chapter 20, Moses has sinned against God. He's disobeyed God. Look at what God says to Moses as a result. The Lord said to Moses, Numbers 20 verse 12, Because you did not trust in me enough to honour me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I'm giving them. You see that? God says to Moses, as long as you're alive, they will not enter the promised land. Do you see that? I've never really noticed that. Before. You will not do it. In other words, Moses is dead. Now then. It's only because Moses is dead that they can enter the fullness of what God has for them. If Moses didn't die, they couldn't enter their inheritance. And God says you can have Moses or you can have the promised land, but you can't have both. And God would say to some of us this morning, you want all these things in your life. There's things you're praying for. There's things you're longing for. You have goals, you have ambitions, you have hopes, you have dreams. You have all this stuff that you want to see me do in your life. You have all these things and plans for your future. And I want to give them to you, but you're holding on to something here. You're, holding, you're keeping something alive from your past. And it has become a weight and an anchor that's keeping you back here, and you're wondering why you can't make it over here. There has to be a separation before there's a possession. There has to be a, a letting go before there's a taking hold. I know some of you have heard me tell this story before. See, the joy of being a, a new minister in a church where you've never met the congregation before is they've heard none of your stories. But because I've preached here probably half a dozen times before I came here, I never actually know what stories I've ever told you before. And so for those of you who have heard some of these, just nod and smile and be polite. And for the new people, this is for you. But before I, I, I met my wife, Becky, I had been in, in a relationship for a couple of years with a, a great girl. She was a lovely girl. It was, um, no, I'm not that lovely. She was a great girl. And, uh, and it was one of those comfortable kind of relationships. You know those ones, it's not bad enough to break up, but after two years you really should be thinking about marriage and stuff. It was one of those ones that, it was kind of one of those in between. There was nothing really bad about it, there was just nothing really great about it. And, and I, I, it was one of those ones where I kept thinking, well, this isn't going anywhere, but... I don't like being single on a Saturday night. And so I didn't, and I remember there was a, a girl in, in my church in, in Lurgan in Shankill Parish. She was very prophetic. Uh, and she came up to me 
on one stage and she said, Craig, I, I've got a prophetic word for you. And she said, I said, what is it? And she said, I, I feel like God is saying to you that you're holding on to this relationship and because your hand's closed, he can't give you what he wants to give you because you're holding on. And if you will open your hand, he will give you the person that he has for you. And that's really nice to hear, but what I prefer to do, instead of letting go, I prefer to swap. Yeah? It's kind of like, God, I know you're telling me to let go, but what if I let go and there's no, there's no one else and nothing else, you know? So can we not do a wee switcheroo here, you know? And, and after a bit of prizing up my fingers, I, I let go of that relationship, and that was a little bit of doubt around when that happened around. But a tension sometimes. And, uh, and two months later, we had our first date, and four months after that, we were engaged. And I often wonder, what if I hadn't been willing to let go? You know, you can drag relationships, you can drag things on for years that you know are not God's best, but they're not bad. Because the enemy of God's best is not the worst, it's often the good. And good things aren't always God things. And there's some things in our lives, there's some things from our past that God has said you will only let go of that. Your hand will be open and you'll be able to receive what I have for you. So what is God asking you to let go of? Is there something from your past? Is there something in your present that you know isn't meant to be there? But you've been too afraid to let it go because you don't know if there's anything to replace that. You don't know if there's anyone to replace that. Maybe it's a habit of personal relationship and emotion. And before I move on, let me say this. For us as a, a church here in Hope, I know there's things that some of you have had to leave behind. Things that were part of your past. Things that were good and valuable and important. But they're not going to be part of your future. As I look around the room, I, I see people from two different churches. But there's people from two particular churches here. And you both are here because those churches, there was a separation from those churches for various reasons. I'm going to be really candid with you this morning. I, I just want to say to you that those things are gone. And there comes a point where you've got to stop talking about the old. You've got to stop talking about what was. You've got to stop talking about the hurt. You've got to stop talking about the pain. You've got to stop talking about the way it was and you've got to face forward into the future. Because while you're talking about the past, that is holding you there. And for some of you, that was a really good thing and for some of you, it might have been so pleasant. But some of you just have got to let go. And part of that is, I believe, that you need to just stop talking about it. Because while you're talking about it, And I want to be really sensitive about that, but I want to be straight about that. I felt that God wanted me to say that to some of you. Some of you from your previous church, whether it was really good or really bad or really ugly, you just need to cut it off. And stop talking about it. Stop thinking about it. Stop reminiscing about it. And you need to draw a line in the sand and say, no. That was our past. It's not coming back. Moses is dead. But there's still a promised land ahead of you that God wants to bring you into if you will leave the past behind.
you know, we live in a world where change is happening. Change is happening more rapidly than it's ever happened before. The last 30, 40 years, I think I've brought more change than previous, the previous 250 years. Think about it, changes in technology, changes in travel, changes in communication. Everything is, is changing at an exponential, expedited rate. Think about 30 years ago, we didn't have mobile phones, we didn't have internet, we didn't have email. Facebook, well, I know there's somebody here who said, well, actually, the American military got email. Take away off somewhere else. We didn't have Facebook, hard to believe, you Instagram, Amazon, online dating. We didn't have Netflix, you could chill, but you had to do it without Netflix. Didn't even have DVDs, MP3s, or satellite TV. She had four channels 30 years ago. And Channel 4 had probably just come on and was like, whoa, we're advancing. You didn't have these fancy projectors. We had a huge beast of a thing called an overhead projector. The cool kids call it an OHP. It was almost like you had to focus and give you a headache for three weeks after you know, And you were depending on the person who wrote out the songs. That they would get them right. And are you fellowship the person who couldn't spell? Just take me as I am. Just as I am without one P. Things have changed. We didn't have skinny jeans or hipsters or coffee snobs. If you drank coffee, you know what it was? It was Nescafe. <laughs> My wife's having a heart attack even hearing that word. That's a swear word in our house. If you had a beard, it probably meant you were old. You know, like, like things have changed. The world has changed. And yet some of us are still trying to hold on to a bygone era. We're clinging desperately to the past. We're trying to maintain traditions. And when you try to hold on to the past, what you create is a monument that you have to maintain instead of a movement that you have to sustain through the power and presence of God. We're, the church is not meant to be a monument that we upkeep. It is a movement that Jesus leads us into the world to transform our community and our culture. Our God is always on the move. That's why you are told in Scripture, keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, keep up with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because He's always ahead of you. He's always doing something new. And if you don't keep in step, you will miss what the Spirit is doing. Christine Kane says this. Sometimes we miss the new thing God's doing because we're looking for the next thing of the same thing that God has already done. This year we're celebrating 500 years since the, the, the Reformation and I am so thankful for the Reformers. Can I say I'm thankful for Luther and Calvin and Zwingli. But I want to say to you that the Reformation God wants to do in his church did not end 500 years ago. Our God is a God who is constantly reviving and reforming, renewing and refreshing, shifting and shaking, moving and awakening. And so often we miss out on the new thing because we're so attached to the old thing. And let me say this, and I want to say it with a sense of honour to all that has gone before. Sometimes the glory days of the past were not as glorious as we remember them. You see, what we do is when we come away from something, it could be a relationship, it could be a church, it could be anything that we miss, we look back with rose-tinted spectacles as if everything back there was brilliant. But the reality was when you were actually there, it had problems as well. It wasn't perfect. If it was perfect, it would still be here. The good old days sometimes are not as good as we thought they were. The good old days are old, and so if we try to camp back there in the past, we will miss what God wants to do today. Familiar words from Isaiah 43. 
Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. That's being intentional. You see, when God said forget, he's not saying have a bad memory. He's saying deliberately choose to forget. And how do we do that? We do not dwell on them. Because if you keep dwelling on something, you can't forget it. If you keep dwelling on a past hurt, you can't forget it. If you keep dwelling on a past pain, you can't forget it. But God says, here's why. I am doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? And he said, do you not perceive it? Because if you're focused here, you can't see what I'm doing here. If you're focused back here, you will miss what I'm doing out here. Moses is dead. Let go. The past is past. And the third thing I sense God has said to us this morning is this. Step up and take responsibility. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. He says, Moses is dead. Joshua, now it's your turn to step up. Now it's your responsibility. You've been the understudy. You've been the sidekick. You've been number two. You've been the apprentice for 40 years. And now it's your turn to step up and lead these people. Take responsibility. You see, when you're number two, you have some authority. But ultimately, the weight doesn't rest on your shoulders. Some of you are business owners. You know what that's like. There's a difference between being an employee and being a business owner. The weight rests on your shoulders. There's a difference between working somewhere and leading something. Because the weight rests on your shoulders. And God is saying, Moses is dead. Take responsibility. The apprenticeship was over. It's over to you. I wonder how Joshua felt. The inferiority, the insecurity, the inability, the inadequacy. That feeling of I'm not ready. What will everybody think? Maybe nobody will follow me the way they followed Moses. Joshua would have to think differently, act differently, and lead differently. That's why three times, look at what God says. Be strong and courageous. Verses 6, 7, and 9. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. If God says something three times, do you know what it is? It's because Joshua needs to be strong and courageous. He's got to need strength and courage. God knows how he's feeling. I know a little bit of how this felt. When I was ordained 11 years ago, I went to Shankill Parish and Lurgan to be the curator assistant minister. And at that stage, I was the third in the food chain, if you like. There was a senior pastor, a rector called Morris Elliott, very capable, great guy. Then there was a guy called William Moore, who's in St. Mark's supported down there. He had been a cured for five years. And I went in as the guy went behind the ears. And I thought, this is going to be great. Three years I can cruise through this. These two guys will do all the work. I'll watch them. This will be a breeze. Within a year and a half, they were gone. They were dead. They moved on. Morris had moved to Dublin to lead the theological college. William had gone somewhere else. And I found myself from being number three to suddenly have to lead the biggest parish in the Church of Ireland, 1,300 families, four services on a Sunday, two, three funerals a week, 30 people in hospital at any one time. And I felt completely inadequate, completely overwhelmed, completely unprepared. And I made a ton of mistakes. But by God's grace, I was sustained through the next 16 months. And I have to say, I grew more in that 16 months from being stretched in a way I never thought it would be than I would have grown in 10 years of any other way. Because sometimes the only way we grow is when we get out of our comfort zone, when we're stretched. You know what? You might think, I don't feel ready for, I want to say to you, you're never ready. When God asks you to do something, you're never really ready. 
That's why when God shows up to ask somebody to do something, what's the first thing God always says? Do not fear. Why? Because God only asks you to do things that terrify you most of the time. And then the next thing he always says is this, I will be with you. Do not fear. I'm going with you. And I have to say, I've seen that in my own life. When I've been tempted to settle, God has pushed me out of the boat. He's pushed me. He's stretched me. He's, he's, he's made me move out of my comfort zone. And his presence has been with me. And I've seen his sustaining power. Because we all like to stay in places we're comfortable. But there we plateau and we stagnate. And I think God's word to some of us this morning is, it's time to step up. It's time to take responsibility for some things in your life. It's time to stop relying on somebody else to do something that God has told you to do. It's time to take ownership, to give, to serve, to lead. To stop being passive, to be fully committed, to go all in. For some people, I think God's saying it's time to grow up. It's time to stop. You've been a Christian 25 years, so stop acting like a spiritual baby. Stop drinking milk and start eating solid food. And the verse I felt God gave me was 1 Corinthians 13 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, when I grew up, I put away childish things. Some of us need to put away childish things. The hard truth is that some of us don't want to grow up. We want to put off commitment. We want to put off responsibility. We want to put off taking ownership. We want to put off being an adult. We want to still be a teen even though we're 47 years old. We want to keep acting single even though we've been married for 10 years. We mess about, we don't commit, we're half-hearted, and God has said it is time to grow up. And grow up, growing up means stepping up. Stop playing it safe. Stop keeping your options open. Go all in. Look at what Paul said. I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus took hold of me. What he's saying is, I was saved for a reason. You were saved for a reason, and it wasn't just to get you to heaven. Yes, that is the primary purpose of why Jesus died for you. But that's not where it, that's not where it finishes. It's not just about getting you out of slavery to sin. It's about bringing you into something. And when God, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, God's greatest goal was not just to get them out of slavery, it was to bring them into the promised land. It wasn't to bring them into the desert. But instead of entering into all that God had for them, they sinned, they messed about, they never grew up. And they spent 40 years wandering in the desert when the journey could have been done in less than two weeks. And some of us are afraid to change, we're afraid to give up things because we think we're missing out on something. But let me ask you this, what are you missing out on by not changing? What are you missing out on by holding on to the past? What are you missing out on by not letting go? You see, we want our lives to change, our relationship to change. We want our bank balance to change. We want our mood to change, our health to change, our spouse to change, our weight to change, our job to change, our relationship with God to change. The only thing we don't want to change is ourselves. And yet none of that other stuff will change unless we change. In the words of the great prophet Michael Jackson, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make the change in the message version. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. Change isn't easy. That's just the reality. If change was easy, we would all do it. 
That's why God says be strong and courageous three times. It's going to take courage and strength to change. And God wants to say to some of you, I know it's hard to change. I know it's hard to leave some things behind. I know it's hard to let go of some things. But I will give you the courage and the strength you need. Look at verse 5. He promises his presence and power. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake. Do not be afraid. Do not get discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This isn't just a motivational talk or a pep talk. It's not just about gritting your teeth and trying harder. That does not work. It is about pressing into God. It's about pursuing his presence. Being filled with his power. Relying on his spirit. And saying, God, I need to change, but I can't do this on my own, so I need you to help me, fill me, empower me, enable me, strengthen me. I surrender it all to you, and God loves to answer those prayers. He loves to answer. And it's not all him. Do you know what that, that, that famous Christian saying, let go and let God? Have you ever seen anyone who does that? They're normally living on the street. Yes, we surrender our lives to God, but we don't let go of everything and let God. God had all of him before he had you. He created you so he could partner with you. It's not all God. It's not all you. It's you and God partnering together. God could have done it without you, but he chose not. That's why Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now to him who is able to do abundantly above all we ask or imagine what? According to his work in us. It's his work in us that produces the abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. It's not all him, it's not all us. It's a partnership with us together. We both play our part. And as I finish, I want to say this to you. God has more for you. God has more for you. See, after 40 years in the wilderness, I'm sure they had got pretty used to it. They had started off the journey dreaming of the promised land, talking about the promised land, the milk and honey. But after 40 years, I'm sure they decided, you know what? We've kind of got used to the manna. And yeah, it's not all that we wanted it to be. But if we cross over, there'll be battles to fight. There'll be enemies to take. We kind of got comfortable here. We've settled for the wilderness. It might not be the best, but it's okay. And now and again, somebody would mention the promised land. They'd say, oh, let's forget about that. Let's just, this is comfortable. We've got the tabernacle. We've got the cloud. We've got the pillar of fire. Just be thankful for what you've got. We're not slaves anymore, so that's pretty good. But God's intention was never to lead them out of slavery. It was to bring them into the promised land. Look at verses 2 and 3. You and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I'm about to give them. I will give you every place you set your foot as I promised Moses. God's intention was not that his people would survive on manna. God's intention was not that they would live in the wilderness, but that they would enter the fullness of the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And some of us have settled for less than God's best. Some of us have settled for the wilderness and the manna when God has so much more for us. And I think God would say to us, raise your expectations. Because your experience has been here, you started off with an expectation of here, and because your experience has been here, that, that gap between expectation and experience has filled with this. And so what we have done is we've brought our expectation down to our experience. And God has said, actually, I want to raise your experience up to your expectation. For some of you, I, I think that's about seeking a husband or wife. Some of you have given up. 
In fact, nobody could want me a two-year-old girl. Sensitively, I want to say that just a few of the ladies here. Some of you think think I can't have kids and past childbearing age, and therefore I'm not going to have husband want me. For some of you, it's about having a child. You've given up. I got a phone call on Thursday from somebody I hadn't spoken to in a year and a half. And uh, about a year before, so two and a half years ago, a year before I, I spoke to them last, maybe a year and a half before that, they, they, I'd been preaching one day, and I'd, I'd been preaching this sermon called Don't Stop on Sex. It, it's just it's based on the Stephen Furtick sermon, he's one of my favourite preachers. And he's talking about the walls of Jericho, I'm not be preaching here someday, and how they, they had to march around seven times. And the whole point of it was that what if they had to stop six, after six times? Like after six times they're probably thinking this is a waste of time. And I preached that more in my heart and said, don't stop on six. Don't stop on six. This was their second Sunday in church. Never been in church really before. No, no Christian background really. No, don't, just hadn't been in another church. Second Sunday in church. that They had been through IVF six times. Nothing. That morning they got up and they said, look, we've done this six times. We're not doing it anymore. And they come into church and wonder why I preach and don't stop on sex. Don't stop on sex. They come up to me afterwards and they say, that's just good. I don't know. But that's been resonating with them. And so they managed, because it costs a lot of money, anyone who's done that. They managed, they came into some money about a year ago and they decided, let's give it one more try. Don't stop on sex. And he phoned me on Thursday to say she's pregnant. And it's probably twins. Don't stop. Don't give up. Maybe it's about a career or a job or a position. Maybe it's about a relationship that has to be restored. Maybe it's something God's calling you to in ministry. Maybe it's about feeling different, looking different. Maybe it's about your health. God would say, it's time to get out of the desert. You were never meant to stay there. Some of you have built buildings where you were meant to live in tents. And we're going to maybe think about this a little bit next week, about where we get stuck in life and how we get unstuck. Because some of us have got stuck in a place that we were never meant to stay. See, the Bible says when I pass through the valley of the shadow, some of us have built houses in the valley of the shadow. And we were almost meant to walk through them. And God has a promised land for you. So don't stay in the desert. Don't stay in the wilderness. Ask him to give you new visions and dreams. Just ask what the Bible says, that we're older men, we dream dreams, and here we will see visions, and we'll celebrate around, and we'll get that wrong. But visions and dreams are the language of the Holy Spirit. Ask him for fresh visions and dreams. Get your Bible down where you wrote those prophetic words, those promises, those things God had given you that have gathered dust on the shelf and declared them over your life. Stir up the passion and fire. We talked about stirring up passion. Ask him for the strength and courage to move forward. And raise the bar of expectation. And there's more for us as a church. You know, I loved hearing our testimony of Peter. I want to hear testimonies of healing every day. I want to see people come to faith in this community every single day. I want to see this community transformed. I want us to press deeper and further in our worship. I want us to grow as a church, not to be a big church, but because we can reach more people. I want us to grow in our faith and our gifts and discover more of what God has put beside us. God has so much more for us here and hope community church in the coming day. What you see and what you have is not all there is, isn't it?
Moses is dead. I am not. Because if Moses wasn't dead, I wouldn't be able to have one with my husband. Moses is dead. But God wants to birth something new. 